Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here we go. Jackson for his tight end, brought in by Mark Andrews, who escapes and goes all the way for the touchdown. Intercepted, picked up by Thomas. Earl Thomas with a foot race. Brown won't get him. That will be six. Running a little option. Jackson beats. Jackson breaks the tackle. He's right to the pylon, and it's a touchdown. Hello and welcome to another edition of Pod Like a Raven. We're all indoors for another week. We're all separated for another week. Uh, it's sort of becoming the new normal, as, as little as I think all three of us enjoy any of it. But here we are. We want to talk about the Ravens. We want to talk about the NFL, give you guys something lighthearted, fun to listen to. And boy, do we have a, a fun episode. I'm Antonio Barbera, joined on the East Coast Remotely by Tim Horsey. Tim, how's it going? Uh, same old, same old. I, I don't know what day it is anymore. Been locked in this apartment since two Tuesdays ago, I think. So uh, doing what I can to, to, to stay fresh. How are you guys doing? Weeks and weekends starting to blend together. I, I've made more phone calls in the past two weeks than I think I've made the last five years combined. So I guess that's a, a good thing. I'm getting better at it. Joining us from the West Coast, remotely, is Jace Evans. Jace, how's it going over there? Oh, it's going, Antonio. Uh, we'll just jump right into it. What's bothering me this week? I yes. think I've, I've hit. I think I've hit the official stir crazy part of uh, <laughs> being indoors. It's uh, like you said, been two weeks. I've left my apartment all of three times since when would that have been? March sixteenth, I guess. Uh, twice to go to the grocery store and then went to the bank once so I'd have money to do laundry. And here I am. And it's, I think, driving me a little crazy. Uh, <laughs> it is the nicest weather of the year right now. It will only get hotter where I live from here on out uh, and be just miserable in the summer. But it's nice and sunny, but you can't go to the beaches. You can't go walk down by the Strand. They're closed by the city of Los Angeles, Los Angeles County. For good reason, but it's very frustrating. <laughs> I've been it blown seems through like, movies. <laughs> it seems like, yeah, you mentioned mid-March, so that feels like six weeks ago, but it's two weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> Somehow. Virginia just ordered the stay-at-home uh, order until June 10th. That's far away. If two weeks feels like six weeks, I don't want to know what three months is going to feel yeah, like. It, it's not April yet. <laughs> Good to have good to have an outlet to talk to you guys about uh, 
about the Ravens in the NFL. So let's let's get into the NFL news with one of the strangest things <laughs> that's happened to the Ravens in the past few years. The three of us were texting about this news as it became a, sort of a question mark. And we all sort of agreed that it would find it would figure its way out. It would smooth its way out and things would be fine. And then two days later, it wasn't fine at all. Uh, and we're talking about Michael Brockers that the Ravens, we thought the Ravens had signed uh, for three years, a few issues or one issue, I should say, with his physical. And he's not a Raven. I was going to say not a Raven anymore, but never became a Raven. Tim, I think you have a, a few more details than I do about what exactly happened here with Michael Brockers? Yeah, so it was a left ankle injury for Brockers uh, on the final game of the season for the Rams. Final regular season game, I believe. Uh, oh, yeah, because they didn't make the playoffs. Right. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> which is weird for a guy who hadn't missed a game since 2016, uh, starting in 57 consecutive games. Messes up his left ankle, tells reporters, I'm not going to need surgery. And frankly, a lot of this, I think, has to come down with what you mentioned before, Antonio, the stay at home and the, the impact of the coronavirus that's kind of had on everybody's lives. The Ravens weren't able to get a doctor out. It was an independent doctor that raised concerns about the ankle and, and they tried to restructure the deal. The, their Brockers agent after this concern, they should say they tried to go lower than three years, 30 million. And, you know, I guess good on the Ravens for doing that. Um, you know, with with the concerns, uh, the health concerns, and, and they were not able to check it out themselves because of everybody having to stay home. Uh, obviously, Brockers and his agent played hardball and good for them because I think he ended up getting three with a max of 31 after incentives going back to the L.A. Rams. Um, but I think initially, Jace, the thought here was, oh, no, Eric DaCosta may not be Ozzie Newsom 2.0. This this seemed like a colossal mistake at, at the time of uh, when it first happened. Yeah, I was greatly concerned because we talked about on prior shows, um, Michael Pierce, no longer a member of the Ravens. He is uh, going to the Minnesota Vikings. So Michael Pierce gone. Uh, you know, they trade Chris Wormley to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you say, oh, it's fine because now they signed Judon on the tag. They got Calais Campbell and Michael Brockers along with Brandon Williams. Well, then they didn't have Michael Brockers, and that put that that was a concern for me. It meant a number of things. A, it meant you didn't have Michael Brockers, a piece you were going to rely on. B, we we can get more into this. It meant you were probably that probably takes any Judon trade off the table because you can't just then like hemorrhage even more from your defensive line. Um, so I was just greatly concerned with kind of, I guess, the Ravens order of operations, not having, you know, Brockers signed on the dotted line before they started shipping out guys that could fill his role if this fell apart, which it then did. But to Eric DaCosta's credit and the Ravens credit, they did salvage this a little bit by um, agreeing to a deal uh, with Derek Wolf, longtime uh, Denver Broncos uh, defensive lineman. Um, Tim, I believe it was you or Antonio had lots more details on Derek Wolf. If we wanted to dive in to the now newest member of the Raven, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to let Tim take Derek Wolf. But I just want to go back to this issue of, uh, 
sort of which, you know, not having a Ravens doctor do the physical, the coronavirus impact. I mean, we're never going to know. Right. <laughs> exactly how these doctors operate like a team doctor versus an independent doctor in my opinion i would go the other way as a guest that the ravens doctor even if there were some issues they would say he'll be fine like he'll figure this out it's an ankle this is not (laughs) going to be this gigantic debilitating injury and yet it was the independent doctor whose issue was big enough uh, for the Ravens to back away from this. And, and Jace, you touched on it. That's what made that Steelers trade even weirder, that the Ravens would do such a unprecedented, you know, quote-unquote trade to a rival before they had resolved such an important issue. Clearly, the biggest issue for the Ravens was improving the, the line, the defensive line, and they were trading pieces away before they were positive that they had the pieces in. That, that seemed like a little disorganized, which is not like the Ravens, not like Ozzie Newsome or Eric DaCosta. So it was super strange, but that's when we did get a little bit nervous about, oh no, <laughs> like, is is this getting a little too complicated for uh, for DaCosta? Should we not uh, trust in him quite as much? But turned around, got Derek Wolf, Tim. Yeah, one-year deal, uh, $3 million guaranteed, uh, $6 million with incentives. Um, so Ravens cap now is back up to just slightly over $10 million to work with for the NFL draft and maybe some other free agents, free agents slash trades, whatever comes. Uh, Derek Wolf seems like your classic grit guy. Just def- perfect 3-4 defensive end. Uh, a lot of injury concerns. He's only played 16 games in three of his eight seasons. But last year, from an interior defensive lineman, had seven sacks in 12 games, um, something that Michael Brockers was not good at. He was going to be a run stuffer. Uh, this is a guy who, according to Pro Football Focus, 75 or higher grade uh, from 2014 to 2018 against the run. So pretty solid in that department, but can also get after it a bit too in terms of rushing the passer, which bring it on. And everything you hear, um, Denver reporters coming out, he's saying he's one of the most hardworking, honest guys. Andy Benoit, if you don't follow him from uh, SI, I believe he still works with Sports Illustrated. One of the Peter King Monday morning quarterback guys says, perfect fit for Wink Martindale's system. The guy's mean. He's basically a fist fighter in the middle of the uh, defensive line there for you. And one of the, the highest compliments from one of the best players in the National Football League right now, a guy that when we did our dream free agents, I thought, hey, if, if they want to cut him and save some money, it would be great to bring old Von Miller to the Baltimore Ravens. Von Miller says, uh, quote, this was in 2016 at the Athletic. can never say that word. I am Steve Nash in this one as much as I want to be Dirk Nowitzki talking about the relationship with he and Wolf. Uh, I'm the quick guy coming around the pick and shooting the three. He's doing all the dirty work and looking good for it. I've been stealing Derek Sachs for two, three years now. About 10 of the sacks I have throughout my career, remember this is four seasons ago, I've stolen from Derek. It's been a great partnership, especially for me, having Derek right there. That is the number one most important thing about this deal. It's a one-year deal for a guy who's not only going to bring pressure himself, but free up pressure for, you would assume, Matt Judon if he's on the roster on opening day. Kind of, you know, Judon is not Von Miller. He's not close, (laughs) in my opinion. But if you have a guy like Derek Wolf that you can get a little bit of a relationship with, say, hey, this is what worked with Von and I. Let's see if it works for us, too. That right side of that defensive line is going to be fierce on one end. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, Calais Campbell sitting on the other (laughs) end uh, of of that 3-4 with Brandon Williams moving back inside in the middle, being your run-stuffing type of guy. 
Um, if, if you look at the sacks, too, the Ravens' defensive line only totaled four sacks last season, the <clears> lowest <throat> among any NFL team. Now, granted, most of those guys are known as run stuffers anyway, but 34 tackles and, like I said, the seven sacks last season. Um, if he can stay healthy, which is the key we'll get into here, I'm sure. I think a, a, a very good upgrade. I think it's hard to say. And purple tinted glasses. Clearly, you're listening to Pod like a Raven. You know what you're getting with us, us three. But maybe even a more significant piece than Michael Brockers would have been, at least for this one season that he signed. Yeah, the one uh, Jace quickly. The one devil's advocate aspect of uh, Von Miller being happy that he has Derek Wolf is Derek Wolf being happy that he had Von Miller <laughs> taking a ton of attention uh, away and sort of pass protection and that. Derek Wolf did get the sacks that he did get because Von Miller was being double teamed probably on every single play for, for several seasons. But I understand the point is still well taken. 33 sacks over a what, nine year career is nothing to sneeze at when the Ravens had four uh, <laughs> from their entire uh, defensive line in, in one season. It was eight, eight seasons for uh, for Derek Wolf. So 33 sacks for that isn't, you know, great seven coming last season. So I, I agree with you, Tim, but. I wish we had Von Miller uh, as the guy working, as, as the pick-and-roll partner there instead of what we currently have. Sorry, Jace, to, to take your line. No, I was just going to say, I think it, I, I, think, I enjoy, think this is a really good signing, uh, especially being that it is kind of a contingency, like you were saying, Antonio. We'll never really know exactly what fully happened with the Brocker situation. It could very well be like he found a situation to, you know, as Tim mentioned, get another half a million dollars potentially out of the Rams and never he doesn't it removes the need to move during this uncertain time that certainly is probably a benefit for him and his family uh but then on the Raven side too like you said it seems like if they really wanted him they would have found a way to make it work as you said it was an ankle injury usually those recover so we'll never fully know but I think for as a fallback option that this kind of became Derek Wolf's a really good player, so really solid and kind of a veteran guy that we're kind of used to the Ravens bringing in anyway. So I think to have the Brockers deal fall through, as disappointing as it was and as worried as I was about it at the time, I think they salvaged it in a good way that I'm not as concerned about the Ravens' defensive line heading into this season. It looks like a colossal mistake. It legitimately looked like a colossal mistake for a team that has... Uh, has some significant holes, some stuff that still has not been addressed yet in this offseason. It looked like they added another one, and it was catastrophic. And credit to the Ravens for, you know, at, at best upgrading over Michael Brockers, and at worst, again, if he stays healthy, is the same sort of player that they just implemented improving this defensive line from last season. Um, you know, it's a one-year deal, so there's less risk. If it doesn't work, you move on rather than the three-year deal for Brockers not working. The guys are pretty much the same age, 30 and 29. Uh, for Brockers, is, is the year younger, but they came into the league at the same time. Um, and like you said, by all accounts, and it's, it's hard to really, really know with whatever spin comes out of these different stories and stuff, but everybody in Denver didn't want to lose this guy um, and, you know, it's just basically basically because of injuries, they weren't going to sign him to a long-term deal. He finds a new home, maybe breeds a little life into him as a 30-year-old. Uh, I, I'm very excited, again, to watch this defensive line play. Just n- more nastiness up front. The meaner you can be up front, the better. And Derek Wolf seems like one of those guys. The definition of the word 
mean, uh, Derek Wolf. <laughs> I want to see that beard. And that, I don't know if he cut his hair, if he still has long hair, but uh, I feel like that'd be fit. The, the Ravens defensive line needs a guy like that. Giant uh, tattoos right everywhere, too. Like, let's go. I'm, I'm all in. Uh, Tim, the the last quick note I'll say is that I I agree with you 100% on the the money comparison here. The Ravens may come out of this on top by accident. $30 million for a guy who's 29 years old is not a small deal for a guy whose contract was going to be 29, 30, 31 uh, in terms of age, as opposed to a one-year deal for a guy who's a similar age um, with maybe a slightly different skill set. But it's one year, and then and you see how he, how he goes from there. I'm going to ask you guys quickly a few, uh, just a few minutes here. Do the Ravens still need help on the defensive line? Are they going to go into the draft and and try to add another run stopper, maybe in the mid to later rounds? Are they going to try to re-sign uh, one of those, you know, back of the rotation uh, defensive linemen to to fill that need that may still exist against the run? I I think they'll probably still pursue someone on the D line in some way. Like you said, I think probably the the path is in the later rounds. I think you can't. Given the, the other holes we know we have, i.e. there is no right guard currently, minor problem, uh, as well as, you know, holds at middle linebacker, potentially even receiver. I just think you have to put that first round pick in a different place now that they've made these moves. I, I mean, they're always been a right player, right price, and uh, you know, draft best player on the board. So they could still draft like if an AJ Epinesa perhaps slides or an Etor Grosmato slides in the draft to them. I wouldn't be stunned if they pick them up, but I just think they have too many other, you know, like Tim said, I think glaring needs, especially um, to help Lamar in the offense uh, that I, I think they probably have to think they're mostly set on defense for now. I think simply it is not priority one or two, but in a system that, probably tires out defensive linemen a bit for how much they send the rush. Um, Dalen Mack, Jelly Ellis, and Giad Ward are basically your other rotation guys there. I think that maybe it doesn't necessarily need to be improved on. I think some of those guys, you know, Mack might get more of a chance at nose guard now, Michael Pierce out in rotational situations. We talked last week about how much I love Giad Ward. Um, They need at least another body that's comparable to those guys, if not maybe a little better or little more upside what have you um so again yeah like jay said not priority one or two but when we start talking like three or four yeah i I would (laughs) think so that's really the only uh ravens news that we have to discuss uh now we're, we're getting closer and closer to the nfl draft so later on in the show we will come back to the ravens to uh do a little it's like a random ravens uh draft redux kind of thing we're gonna look at at some players that uh we loved uh, when we drafted them, some players that we thought we loved when we drafted them, and then some people, we have guys we absolutely hated and we didn't want on the Ravens. Sometimes we were right, sometimes we were wrong. But for the moment, let's pivot to the NFL as a whole, uh, where again, it's a significantly quieter week this week than it was the week before that, and, and especially two weeks ago. And that's sort of the theme that I want to start talking about is no news for three overall former number one draft picks in Jadavian Clowney, Cam Newton, Jameis Winston, all three still free agents. Uh, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on, on those three guys and who's going to sign first. Is, uh, is Jameis Winston out of work? Uh, what's going to happen with these three guys? 
I think Clowney probably is the first person to sign. He is the most standout at his... Now, he seems to want the most outrageous deal (laughs) of the three, but he is the most standout at his, I think, relative position at this point in his career. Uh, And even though he's had some injury problems, you know, he's probably a safer bet than maybe Cam Newton. Uh, The problem I think Cam and Jameis are just going to have is it's... We're in a very strange quarterback market where teams are either like set going to be set or like, uh, yeah, because like want you, to be set. Yeah, exactly. Like the teams that like have, you know, QB needs like we know the Bengals are pretty much guaranteed to take Joe Burrow first. We know the Dolphins, unless there's a trade, are probably going to take two at five. And Herbert's really been. Justin Herbert from Oregon's really been linked to the Chargers at six. Here's like a team you think needs a QB, but they might go with, hey, let's get our own guy in here, market him, all that stuff. Uh, so I still think it's clowny. His demands have been rather exorbitant given his sack numbers, certainly. Um, but I do think he's really good. He's a very disruptive player, uh, but he's a strange player too. And his sack numbers are never going to somehow reflect how dominant he can be in a game so i still think it's clowny but it's a very strange time for the remaining free agents and as we reach more and more uncertainty these guys might you know linger until hopefully training camps open on time we could get to that later in the, in the spring as we know more on that but uh yeah these guys might be on the vine for a while so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out the Cam Newton one is, to me, I think is the most interesting because, like you said, you look around the league and there might just not be a lot of spots for him. Uh, we spoke about it last week. I think the Chargers would be great. and I mean, I think the Chargers would be stupid to not go after him. Now, that being said, I'm not super well-versed on their cap situation, but I can't imagine it's that bad given that they've got – I mean, they've got a, some fantastic defensive talent. Derwin James comes to mind, number one. Um, Keenan Allen is still a productive wide receiver at the, at this level, you know, and I still think Newton's good. I don't know why so many people are shying away from him. I know the injuries, but it's, it hasn't been nearly as bad. Um, you know, the Broncos are another team that I think would be a good landing spot for Newton. I, I, I know they like drew Locke, but I, I like, look, I know he's not a statue back there in the pocket. So maybe John Elway doesn't want him, but it seems like that's another place that would be a great landing spot for him. Uh, Cortland Sutton, a, a wide receiver who came on last year as well, giving him a veteran quarterback. And look, giving Locke a, somebody to learn from as well. It's not like you've got to throw this guy into the fire immediately. Um, Winston, I think it's crazy to me that the NFL's passing leader is going to be a backup next season. Yeah, but that's sad. just kind of where we're at right now. Nobody... Teams are, and and Antonio has pointed this out many a time, coaches will be conservative most of the time because they are scared to lose their jobs. And throwing the wild card of wild cards into the quarterback (laughs) position is going to significantly increase your chance of getting fired Um, because he's, you know, he's Charlie Kelly and it's always sunny. He's a wild card. Uh, And then then the only thing I have on Clowney, not to add anything else, is – the Ravens are not sound, signing Jadavion Clowney. So Ravens Twitter needs to calm down. <laughs> Everybody, after the amount of people, and this could have been a what's bothering Tim this week, the amount of people that when they dropped Brockers, when the Brockers deal fell through, said Clowney is the most likely replacement. 
was insane to me. First of all, not the same type of position, not what they were looking for as a guy on the defensive line. On a 3-4 system, he's playing the outside linebacker, pass rushing type of guy. And the numbers don't match. Do any. It's simple math. It's simple math, people. I, I, that that whole link of are we, we're getting clowny now, right? We have to get clowny. We have to get clowny. The, I felt so bad for Zarebeck, Jeff Zarebeck of The Athletic, a guy we mentioned here, one of the best in terms of following the Ravens. Luke Jones from WNST, another guy as well. The amount of times you saw on Twitter them just shooting down people of like, look, guys, it's not happening. Or they put an article out and every mention be like, so we're getting clowny now, right? It's got to be clowny. Why isn't it clowny? Eric Dacosta is stupid for not going after clowny. It's like, this isn't going to happen unless his asking price goes down significantly. Jadavion Clowney is not lining up in the purple or black of the Baltimore Ravens next season, and I think people need to start accepting that. Tim, are you saying when he wants like $20 million a year and the Ravens have $10 million in space, they can't make that work? <laughs> it's funny, but that actually doesn't work in the NFL cap. You'd be surprised, but you know that, that those don't add up, as they say. Here's what you guys keep forgetting. Uh, as the calendar goes one day by day, I know it doesn't feel like the, the days are passing and the months are passing, <laughs> Every day that Jadavion Clowney doesn't sign, that contract just goes lower and lower and lower. So uh, we'll see you guys in six weeks when Clowney still hasn't signed, and all of a sudden his vet. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Obviously, the, Clowney will not go to the Ravens uh, as much as I may want him in the purple and black. And he would look good in, in that uniform, but, uh, but that's all right. Um, I, I agree with you, Jace. I think the draft... has everything to do with this. I think Clowney is going to sign first, and I think the Newton and Winston deals are going to happen after the teams try to get the quarterbacks they're going to try to get through the draft. And it's possible that a couple of those teams that you just mentioned are not going to get their guy because the draft can be crazy sometimes. The draft can be fun. Teams can move up from 10 to 3 and all of a sudden, that you know Miami sitting there just waiting to take Tua. You know their plans are are totally thrown uh, overboard, and and they may leave a draft without a franchise quarterback, uh, and then they may turn to a guy like Cam Newton or Jameis Winston. So we'll see. The, you know the draft is still uh, three and a half weeks away, but I, I think it's possible that neither of those quarterbacks are picked up until after the results, basically, and, and the draft dust settles. Any other NFL uh, news and notes, guys, before we move on? Yeah, one, one thing I want to throw in here very quickly, because it's something that we'll be talking about at length, I'm sure, later down the road. Um, Laramie Tunsil, the Houston Texans left tackle who they traded a, uh, a lot of value for last offseason to protect Deshaun Watson, and then they traded away his best wide receiver and probably the best <laughs> wide receiver in the NFL. That's a whole different story. Uh, they have to re-sign Tunsil, the left tackle. And right now, the Texans, this is coming from Aaron Wilson, who used to cover the Ravens, now covers the Texans down there in Houston. Um, the Texans' initial contract proposal to Laramie Tunsil averaged $18.5 million a year, but his counteroffer is significantly higher. And the only reason I bring this up is because they're the best left tackle in football currently wears number 79 for the Baltimore Ravens, and his contract is coming up soon. So just a just a quick, we don't have to really get into it, just a quick watch this space. Ronnie Stanley is going to cost a lot of money and is going to be one of the few Ravens that is going to get the deal past the we-have-to-pay-Lamar-now uh, checkpoint, I should say. And that's the perfect example of, I'm a little bit optimistic that we can put that Brockers money, just that portion, and push it toward... 
being able to pay the best left tackle in, in, the, in the NFL. We will see uh, what happens with Stanley in the future. But so that's it for the NFL. Jace, I guess we did where your what's bothering Jace already just just flew out of the out of the barn door with that one ready to go. <laughs> That's my newest uh, phrase, by the way. Flew out the Flew barn out door. The barn right. door. <laughs> so let's move, let's move with that. Let's move on to start using that. Uh, <laughs> this week's random Raven. Tim, you're up. So why don't you uh, hit us with it? Yeah, I'll be pretty vague here. Um, kind of like like yeah. Antonio's last week. I think you guys will get this one. So I'm going to be vague, um, and I will admit I don't really have bonus clues. So if you don't get it, you don't get it. Here's number one. He won a Super Bowl with the Ravens in his rookie year. Number two, he was the Ravens' first selection in his draft. The first pick, the first Ravens pick in his draft. Number three, he also featured for the Atlanta Falcons in their epic Super Bowl collapse against the New England Patriots. Number four, during his senior season at Alabama, this player was named a first-team All-American and won defensive MVP in the 2012 national title game for the Crimson Tide. And number five, <laughs> Matt Judon wore the same number as this player in Judon's rookie season. Hint, that number was not number 99. I mean, I can only think of one yeah, I think I person, but it can't be this person. <laughs> We will, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. I, I might have. I'll, I might give you the number. If you can't get it, I'll give you the number. I. I mean, it's it's like sort of a process of elimination by Alabama guys. So I, I have a guess. We'll I'll hold it till the end of the episode, uh, Jace. I don't know where you are. Yeah, I, I have a name. I'd <laughs> yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be this guy. But all right, we will. Uh, we will. We will answer <laughs> the random raven at the end of the show when we have twenty more minutes to doubt ourselves anew. Uh, all right, so new segment this week as we're in the, just the height of the offseason and the height of being indoors. And what do you do when you're indoors? You look up old sports names. You look up old Ravens drafts things. You look up – if you're Jace, you probably are memorizing box scores from the, the 70s and 80s if you haven't already. So we are going to look back at the Ravens draft classes. We're going to name some of our favorite draft picks uh, – players we completely missed on who we thought were going to be the next uh, Hall of Famers for the Ravens and then some guys that we just hated uh, from day one <laughs> and we were either proven proved right or wrong basically uh, in some cases spoiler alert I was I was proved wrong with the guy I didn't like that the Ravens took so let's uh let's dive into the guys that we loved first but before we go I'm going to do a little trivia question for uh for you guys for Tim and Jace it's, it's not a random Raven, but as I was looking through these Ravens draft classes, I couldn't help myself. So I'm going to offer this trivia question to you guys and, and then ask who were your Ravens draft loves and feel free to, to guess the trivia question if, if you have it. So I think very few Ravens fans would be shocked to know that the University of Alabama has the most draft picks that the Ravens have ever drafted. Eleven players have been drafted from Alabama to the Ravens. However, that they're actually tied with another school. Another university has drafted also 11, has had 11 players drafted to the Baltimore Ravens. So I'm going to just turn to you guys and see what you think your guess is. And then please, if you want, Tim, if you want to go first and then dive in with who was your draft 
Who are your draft loves? Yeah, we'll sa- we'll save the uh, we'll save the 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 answer, I guess, for this till the end. If people want to have a think on it, I'm going to go with the U. I, I think that I think that might be a trick question because there's some very significant players that played for the University of Miami, but there's also some duds in there. One that we will mention from a listener actually uh, later in this little segment here. I, I've got. There's a lot of guys that I really loved, um, and we're trying to not do the obvious ones. And, and for our like personal stories, I had a friend text me, said, oh, well, I guess everybody loved J.O. I was like, yeah, but you were four years old, so I don't think you remember <laughs> that current selection. So I just have two stories real quickly. Um, one is about our, our, our first draft of when we were in college, our freshman year in college. Uh, I was... It was a Thursday night, I believe. I think they had already started the first round, first yeah, maybe I think second you're round right. as well. That was the first day they broke it off, I think. And and in in college fashion, Thursday night, maybe you had a few pops. You know, Friday there was a couple classes that you know, if they were a little later in the evening, that was a good thing. So um I ended up going to RJ Bentley's, don't do the math on how I got in there. Uh <laughs> with a couple of friends to rather than um rather than, you know, socialize and do other things watch the first round of the nfl draft at rj bentley's and they had the sound on on a tiny little tv in the corner our feet were sticking to uh to the dance floor there as we were watching and the ravens selected jimmy smith and i think we all wanted smith when the pick came in i think everybody everybody who was in the no paying attention uh, a couple of my friends mike brown who's been on this podcast before um we were elated and had a few celebratory drinks, and I think that one's turned out pretty well. Obviously, we talked a lot about Jimmy Smith last week with him re-signing. The only other one, and this is kind of obvious, but I have to tell the story about it, was the 2018 NFL Draft, and it was the first of mine living in D.C. Right now, I've cut the cord, so things like the NFL Draft and live sporting events are usually spoiled by Twitter. Uh, if the draft isn't already spoiled by Twitter, like some people love to do. I'm addicted to looking at Twitter during sporting events, so I convinced my lovely girlfriend to go up to the roof where they actually have cable to watch the NFL draft with me. That's Don't. when you know, Tim. That's when you find out. I guess, right? Don't what know, kind of girlfriend you have, right? Don't know why she said yes, but I had to work very early the next day. Again, it was another Thursday thing. The Ravens are the kings of of dropping down and trading back obviously so i'm desperately hoping they don't do this we all kind of know this is the end of the joe flacco era pick number 25 comes up and i go they are going to draft lamar jackson they have to draft lamar jackson right here they're like thinking about some other offensive linemen and some some pass rushers whoever it is and i'm like they're they're gonna do it the costa or excuse me ozzy newsome was his last draft he's gonna do it Hayden Hurst gets drafted, now with the Atlanta Falcons, uh, a, a, a short servant for the Baltimore Ravens. And to no fault of Hayden's, I was massively disappointed. To the point of, we don't have to do this anymore, let's just go to bed. We go downstairs, <laughs> I had to get up at 5.30 the next morning, so again, very early. Uh, I wake up the next morning I'm kind of like looking through Twitter and now Twitter updates with like things that they think you would want to see rather than the most recent news, which is a different story. That's incredibly annoying. And I start to see stuff like, wow, great draft by the Ravens in the first round. I can't believe they did it. A new era has started for the Baltimore (laughs) Ravens. And I'm like, wait, what happened? And, um, 
I finally log on to Safari on my phone, get to ESPN, yada, 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 find I had to I legitimately I think my journalism school training came into effect because I had to get two credible sources before I believed it, (laughs) even though the first one was ESPN. The Ravens traded back up to draft Lamar Jackson. I won't do it here because I know people are listening to this with headphones. I screamed to the point of waking up said girlfriend next to me at 530 in the morning because a new era had started in Baltimore. And um, I was incredibly happy about it. And obviously it's turned out pretty well so far. So those are my two. Um, especially those are the ones that always stick out to me because of kind of the stories behind them. Lamar is a great, you know, for some reason, I guess just because he seems so obvious, I didn't even think to include him in this, but I was so fired up. I did a, a stand up. Yes. In the office <laughs> when they when they traded up. I was working that night, but I was really excited when they drafted him. Uh, but another guy from that draft I really liked, you mentioned Hayden Hurst. I loved Mark Andrews. I believe he was the tight end of the year. He would believe he won the Mackey Award in college. And I was like, you know, I'm always a fan of taking the guy voted best at his position uh, in the later rounds. I think it worked. It has worked out so far, considering he was the Ravens leading receiver uh, last year. A few other ones for me uh, that stood out. Um, I remember seeing a video. I guess this wasn't immediately like draft day, but like w- within draft week of Brandon Williams doing a handstand. uh at like 3.30 or whatever he is. Uh, <laughs> and that immediately made me a big fan of his. Um, and then the other one that immediately jumped out to me that I was ex- like super fired up to get, and they needed a receiver at the time, was Torrey Smith. He was uh, he was still at Maryland our uh, freshman year, and he lit it up that year. And it was just exciting to watch him go from Maryland to the Ravens. And he had a great rookie year and a great uh, it was a four year uh, tenure with the Ravens. Um, so I was really happy they got him too, and it ended up working out I think pretty well for both the sides there. So those were my three that jumped to mind. Jace for the Brandon Williams pick. Uh, went to Missouri Southern, and I feel like every time the Ravens have a mid-round draft pick who went from a tiny school, we just get super excited that they found somebody that the rest of the <laughs> NFL just had no idea existed. That's what I thought when they drafted him. Um, look, mine's mine's low-hanging fruit for, for the love, but I'll offer a little ca- uh, caveat, and it's low-hanging fruit only because the guy went 12th overall, but when Haloti Nada was drafted in 2006 at 12. There was no doubt in my mind whatsoever that that guy was going to be a multi-year Pro Bowl selection, was going to be an absolute stud. All it took was a now famous rugby highlight video (laughs) of Haloti Nada in high school just destroying small children around him, even though he was the same age, and then essentially doing the same thing at Oregon. And it was just a guy that at every step, he was just better than everybody else around him. And everybody, I mean, it was everybody loved the pick. Like, he was supposed to be great. Even with that sort of pressure as the 12th overall pick, he still had an amazing career. And uh, I would have loved to have owned uh, a 92 jersey uh, for, for Nada, but I never never did get that one. But that's the guy that I absolutely loved coming out of the draft. Uh, and then I had a, I'll throw in a bad love that I had. <laughs> And that's just the guy you just I couldn't quit him every year. And that was uh, Michael Campanero coming out in the seventh round. He was drafted at just peak. You need that small, uh, quick, preferably, I guess, white slot receiver, uh, because look at these other guys that exist in the league. So like he'll just fill that role, I guess. Uh, And he never did year after year. He kept getting hurt. 
seemed like he had the potential, seemed like he had the talent. He would have like an end around where he would rush for 12 yards. And I thought, this is it. This is, you know, this is where Campanero takes off. And it just never really happened. And eventually he's no longer in the NFL. So I miss you, Michael Campanero. (laughs) Let's move to uh, the guys that we completely whiffed on, which I guess could be a Michael Campanero. But I never, you know, he was a seventh round draft pick. So whatever. But for the missed guys, and these are, we're talking the Ravens drafted them. And you said, that's the guy. That's the guy that's going to fulfill so many jobs for the Ravens. Who did you whiff on? I was such a big Timmy Jernigan fan. And when they got him in the second round, I was like, they did it. He's so good. He was the best. He was the best player on that Florida State National Championship team who wasn't Jameis Winston. And he was just fine. I mean, he's still in the NFL. <laughs> like, he is nothing special. Like, but he was so dominant at Florida State and so good that I just was like, I was enamored with him, but I was so happy they got him in the second round. But yeah, he was fine. I mean, they traded him for like a third or fourth round pick or something to the Eagles. And I believe he won a Super Bowl there, but yeah, he was he was just fine. Uh, he was one, another one I remember like being super hyped and kind of excited about because he was really good. Uh, was Dan Cody at Oklahoma? He was like a multi-time All-American, I believe, and just nothing for the Ravens, literally nothing. But I liked the pick at the time, and I thought I was like, I believe he was a second-round pick behind Mark Clayton. I believe I think it was that draft. And uh, yeah, I thought he was going to be great. And instead, he played like four games or something <laughs> and like only played on special teams. Uh, so those are two probably big ones. It's all variations of that for me. Uh, Carl Davis um, was a defensive tackle. They took it, I believe, in the third round out of Iowa. And I was working for the Des Moines Register his senior year. He had a great senior year. And I was like, wow, veteran, uh, veteran college player, going to step right in. And same thing as Jernigan. He wasn't terrible, but he just didn't do much. And then uh, and then Michael Orr, probably in terms of first round picks, you know, the blind side is hard to not be like. This is it. And then he was a fine right tackle would get called for a holding in a critical moment about every three games and probably false start once a game. But, you know. He was fine. He wasn't bad. He was there, I believe, five years. But uh, and the right tackle on the Super Bowl champs. But he never, you know, quite lived up to what I thought he could probably be. And I really liked that pick at the time. So those are my probably biggest whiffs out there. I'm gonna let Tim go third in this round because we had a little pre pre uh, pod discussion, and he has so many golden names that if I said them, I think my ulcer would kick up. So I'm going to have, I'm going to have Tim say those names. So I I had a few guys from this list in the 2011 draft in the sort of the pre draft stuff or whatever. I stumbled upon a a YouTube highlight video of Tandon Doss catching passes at Indiana. And he was like big, strong, fast with good hands. And I remembered thinking, Oh my gosh, that guy's going to be a stud in the NFL, and he wasn't like a first-round or second-round guy. So whoever got that guy, he was going to be a, a beast for them. And then the Ravens drafted him in the fourth round, and I thought I was going to be the next great GM in the National Football League because I spotted that guy's talent, and so did the Ravens. And, oh, boy, were both of us wrong. Uh <laughs> He was fine. He was okay. He had 26 catches in his career. 
never really caught on. I think he returned a couple of kicks. He had like one long punt return in his career, and that was it. Missed. I, I, I loved Tendon Doss. Thought he was going to be like Calvin Johnson. Not 2.0, but like 1.5, let's say. He wasn't any of that at all. Uh, and then my other sort of whiff was I remember Asa, Asa Jackson getting drafted. He was like the, in the fifth round, and he immediately had this buzz as uh, – you know, this guy is sort of from a small school, and if he can figure it out off the field, he's going to be great on the field because the talent's there. Uh, and he did have talent. He had two suspensions early in his career for using Adderall without, like, proper notice to the league, which sort of, I feel like 10 years from now, that's not even going to be a thing that exists because you can have Adderall in the NFL. You just have to file the right, like, paperwork through the NFL, and he didn't do that twice. So he missed four games one season, then eight games another season, and his career basically never got on track. So those are my two uh, my two big whiffs. And now let me pour myself a gin and tonic, and Tim, just, oh boy, some some big names here. I got some big names. Um, and for, I'll, go, I'll go the ones that disappointed me the least first, I guess. Uh, Tom Zibikowski. Round three in 2008, the Golden Domer, uh, always one of the most talked about players in college football when he was there. Hard hitting safety when you were still allowed to do that. They got him in round three. And I'm like, and I was still young enough to the point where I was like, I understood that being great in college didn't mean you were going to be great in the NFL, clearly. But I was still like, how is this guy going to fail? I mean, he is He's an All-American all the time. He's one of the most talked about players in college football. Put him on this defense. It's going to be great. He's going to be the hard-hitting, strong safety next to Ed Reed. Yeah, no. No, it didn't happen. Um, There was a piece actually in The Athletic that recently came out about his journey from college football all-star to kind of also ran in the NFL to addict, actually, and then back to boxer. I can't remember who wrote it, but if if you want to give that a read, I'm sure you can find it. Just quick Google search there. Um, I will tie these two together. Um, 2013, the Ravens just won the Super Bowl, meaning they had the last pick in the first round. And they got Matt Elam, another guy. Safety is a theme here. I like safeties. Is a th- um, Jace noted here, we were actually watching that together, and we were steamed up. Uh, my boss at the time was a, was a former Florida Gator. He was like, I cannot believe the Ravens just got Matt Elam at 32. This is going to be a lock. Uh then the next year in round three, they drafted another incredible safety in college, Terrence Brooks out of Florida State. And even with a disappointing rookie year for Elam, I thought that was the one-two punch in the defensive backfield for the Baltimore Ravens for years to come. Uh, Matt Elam just got cut by the XFL team, the D.C. Defenders. So that's where that's gone. Uh, yeah. Clearly that didn't work out. Probably the most infamous name, if you bring it up to any recent Ravens fan anyway, in terms of what we thought we were getting uh, in terms of what we got. Go I don't think Matt Elam ever wrapped up on a tackle in his <laughs> NFL career. But keep going. Let me get myself another gin and tonic. Hold no, on. you're good. No, I drank that first one fast. Um, I kind of had to fill the shoes of Ed Reed a little bit, which definitely hurt him in terms of Ravens. Another guy in that same draft who you talk about the I'm going to be a NFL GM story that Antonio just did. We had Ravens wrap up on WMUC at University of Maryland. This was peak. I'm going to read every single mock draft leading up to the draft. I love this. I could do a seven-round mock if I wanted to, yada, yada, yada. I'm spending way too much time on this, basically. And Arthur Brown was the name he kept coming up. Arthur Brown, Arthur Brown, Arthur Brown. Clearly, another Ravens great had just retired in Ray Lewis. 
nobody in their right mind thought that they were going to find a guy to replace him. But I was like, Arthur Brown, he's a little small, but he's that speed guy you need in today's NFL. Great in pass coverage. Might struggle a little bit with run defense, but he'll get there. He's going to be a lock for them. They didn't pick him in the first round, obviously. I was disappo- I was almost disappointed. Elated about Elam, but kind of was like, oh, man, I really want them to get Arthur Brown. Then they did, and I was stoked. If you scroll back, if you do a deep dive on my Instagram, I literally posted an Instagram post about Arthur Brown being drafted in the second round by the Baltimore Ravens. This is how excited I was about this guy out of Kansas State. And he turned into less than Matt Elam, um, which is, you know, one of those. Ozzie Newsom had a great run, Hall of Fame run at GM, but there are some drafts there that are a little questionable. The next one was in 2010, or a previous one, I should say, was in 2010. I was attending a senior prom for a, uh, a girls' school at, at, in Baltimore County. And it was before the actual prom. We're at, we're at someone's house getting pictures and stuff. And um, instead of going outside for the pictures when they were calling for us, me and a friend of mine were running inside because the Ravens were about to make a selection. I said, this can wait because this is important. And the Ravens drafted a pass rusher out of Texas named Sergio Kendall. I got in a lot of trouble that night for making people delay pictures for Sergio Kindle. <laughs> I will never oh. forgive that man for that. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I, a draft pick that I think might be one of the ones in Ravens history we all thought was going to turn out. And in that same round, in the second round, too, this was I got the update on my phone because we were heading to prom at this point. I, and trust me, I would have loved to see I would have loved to stayed to see this guy be picked. It was Mount Cody, Terrence Cody out of Alabama. I thought they just got their man in the middle and they just got their pass rusher for the next 10 years. They are locked in. This is great. Terrence Cody played a little bit. Sergio Kendall clearly was a complete bust. Um, Those are some of the names there as Antonio drowns himself in Bombay Sapphire uh, that, that I remember really being super high on and then completely missing. And, and if I recall, they had traded back, right, to, like, get more picks, and so they took them both in the second round, I believe. I was, I thought Kindle was going to be so good. So good. And then, well, yeah, the, he... The, the thing we have to address with Kindle, unfortunately, is that he had that, like, incident. It was all sort of, you never really knew exactly what happened, but in the summer before his rookie year... He f- apparently fell down two flights of stairs at his home. Yeah, he claimed that, he fell asleep. He claimed he fell asleep and fell down two flights of stairs. Right, and he fractured his skull as a result, didn't attend training camp that year. So, I mean, that's just it, like the worst possible thing that could have happened to a player. It was wholly unfortunate. You have no idea what happened to for that type of situation to, to, to occur, and then he just never got started at all uh, in the NFL. And uh, Jace, I think you are right that they moved back uh, or at least had acquired that second round pick through a trade and had multiple, you know, picks in that round. Those are some names, Tim, (laughs) uh, and some guys misses by the Ravens and misses by Ravens fans uh, uh, on the whole. So any other names or let's move. We got to move on to the, uh, the hated list now. So I'll, I'll go first with this one, I guess, because I've yet to go first. And, you know, I, I can take it. I was wrong about this one. Um, the Ravens drafted, and let me pull up the year because I want to make sure that I get this right. It was not too many years ago uh, where the Ravens were drafting sixth overall. And, and I was looking for 
just a just the future Hall of Famer in that in that spot. I, I you know I don't expect too much from my Ravens drafts, but when you're picking sixth, I want a, a future Hall of Famer. And at fifth, the Jacksonville Jaguars took Jalen Ramsey, who all three of us sort of saw as like the I mean not not the exact same position, but. That was the future Ed Reed of the Ravens secondary. He was going to be that Hall of Famer. He looked perfect for the Ravens, was just going to get 10 interceptions a year for the next six seasons. But he went at five, and then off of that sort of high of the potential of getting Jalen Ramsey, the Ravens then went and took Ronnie Stanley, sixth, a guy that that now we know all about. And I remember, you know, I'm not going to say that I hated the pick, but it was we were buzzing with the potential of taking Ramsey and then he's gone, and then they take a tackle who I hadn't really heard of too much, mostly because he wasn't the best tackle in that draft. That's right. the, the Laramie Tunsil draft, where whatever it was, like half an hour, an hour before the draft, the, the video of him with the uh, gas mask doing the bong hit with the gas mask came out, and Tunsil ends up dropping. So you end up having the Ravens taking you know an offensive lineman, which is not a flashy position, at six, when you know... He was not the number one tackle coming into the draft. And it was just sort of like, oh, I guess, you know, we'll see what happens with this guy. I was wrong. Happy to be wrong. The guy's now an all pro uh, is going to make all the bucks. Would I still rather have gotten Jalen Ramsey? That remains, you know, we'll see the next the next <laughs> five years for for the answer to that. Ramsey's certainly been more of a headache than than Stanley has been. So I didn't like it. I was wrong. Go Ravens, go uh, go Ozzie Newsom. Yeah, I, I have to own up to the exact same thing. And basically for all your points, it's not exciting to draft a lineman. I was convinced they were going to take Tunsil if they were. And then, as you said, that video came out. So and I'm still not unconvinced that if that video never came out, that they wouldn't have taken Tunsil. We'll just never know at this point. And it wasn't just Ramsey for me. It was the three picks. So the Ravens were drafting higher than they had since they picked Terrell Suggs, I believe, in 2003. Uh, it was the first time they'd been in the top 10 since then. So, like you said, a lot of pressure on the pick. And the three picks, Ramsey had five, but four was Ezekiel Elliott and three was Joey Bosa. And I, in my head, was like, there was some scenario where one of those guys was going to get to the Ravens, and then all of them were gone, and they took an offensive tackle I thought also was the second best offensive tackle at the draft. I was not excited. It's not exciting to take a tackle anyway, and I didn't think that Stanley was better than Laramie Tunsil. I knew less about him. I just thought Tunsil was the man. Similarly, I'll own up to that one. And I'll also admit, I was not the hugest fan of the Marlon Humphrey pick at the time. I thought he was, and this is the very next draft, 2016. I thought Humphrey was a good player. He was not the Alabama player I wanted at that spot. Jonathan Allen, uh, the Outland Award winner, I believe, on the defensive line for the Crimson Tide was taken the very next pick by the Washington Redskins. I thought for sure the Ravens were going to take him. Uh, they had recently gotten rid of Haloti Nada and not really replaced that player. Um, and I was just convinced they were going to take Allen, or I wanted them to take Allen, and they took Marlon Humphrey. And again, he was the best player on the defense in 2019, so it worked out. <laughs> but uh, I, I'll admit, and Allen's been good, but I'll admit Humphrey's been better. So that's on me as well. <laughs> Jason, I just want to go over those draft pick numbers that you mentioned. Terrell Suggs went 10th in 2003. So picking six was the highest that the Ravens had gone since the year 2000 when they drafted Jamal Lewis fifth. Wow. So it, 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 
the result of that is, wow, the Ravens have been consistent and good for a long <laughs> time, that they haven't had all these, you know, picks in the top 10, but, and they got a, you know, a top 10 pick and they ended up drafting an all pro. So we still have to work a little bit harder to, to become the next best GMs in the NFL, I guess. And real quickly, I know we got to wrap this up, but I, I didn't see this in our rundown to take people behind the curtain, the Humphrey thing. And I just had that thought in my head of like, I didn't really like that pick when they made it. I was, it was sort of like you said with Stanley. It was like, uh, okay, like I'm sure he's going to be good. It's Ozzy picking an Alabama guy. You usually <laughs> trust that outside of Terrence Cody. Um, mine is mine is simply uh, again. I, I love safeties. I wanted Landon Collins when they picked Brashad Perryman, oh and they God. picked Brashad Perryman, and I went, I, "Who is Brashad Perryman?" And I think why we all they, hated that pick. <laughs> they picked a receiver with the first pick with with a first round pick. You, you know, it's not going to be good other than Hollywood Brown. Maybe Eric DaCosta figured out the method here. Um, and then just real quickly before we move on, I know we got to wrap this thing up. Uh, we asked this question on Twitter before we recorded today, and uh, we got we got some responses. So I feel like we should read these out. Andrew Ironman on Twitter says Kenny Dixon was really excited when we got him. Never really went anywhere. I should say it was the guys that we completely missed on personally. And he said, my biggest draft disappointment was New England taking Hightower before we could get to him. Had to settle for Courtney Upshaw, who was a big downgrade. Uh, Ryan Wormley, friend of the program, says, probably, probably going to get mostly early round picks from your people. But as Tim Horsey knows firsthand, I was so in on Tommy Streeter from <laughs> the University of Miami, who... Ryan loved loved him some Tommy Streeter I still can't believe he wasn't a second rounder um and then Manhattan Project on Twitter also echoes Sergio Kindle so uh if you want to get those in anytime anytime we send out a question before the show please let us know yeah John John Sebastian thanks for uh, tweeting at me as well also with Sergio Kindle that's a uh, that's a name that's a name that Ravens fans know far and wide uh, unfortunately so maybe the the definition of the the high draft pick that Never really worked out. So, all right, we're closing up here. We're going to get to the random Raven in a second. We're just, I just want to answer this, this trivia question for you guys since we've gone through all these draft picks. The Ravens drafted 11 players out of Alabama. They also drafted 11 players out of this other school. Do either of you have a uh, – I think Tim, Tim's got to get his random Raven this week, so we'll let, let him get this one first. Tim? It's another shade of crimson. I completely forgot. It's Oklahoma. They love Oklahoma oh, players. Oh, that's probably – It is Oklahoma, yeah. and only because they've taken like five Oklahoma players in the past three years. Well, I was going to say uh, Holly, Hollywood, Orlando, Brown, Mark Andrews. That has to push them over the top. Ben Powers. <laughs> ben Powers was picked last year too. Uh, yeah, and also uh, Miss Owen Orlando Brown. Did you guys say that one as well? And yet another Oklahoma guy. So they've also taken 11 Oklahoma players, and especially in the last two years, most of them have, have panned out. So that's it. That's going to do it for this episode. Sort of an in-between weeks, in-between off-season episode here. I hope you guys liked our uh, our draft picks. Uh, just the random Raven left to uh, to answer. So Tim, why don't you run through those those clues? And I do I, I do have a name now. I'm feeling pretty good about it. So why don't you run through that uh, random Raven for us? All right, real quickly. He won a Super Bowl with the Ravens in his rookie season. He was the Ravens' first selection in the draft he was selected in. Uh, he also featured for the Atlanta Falcons in their epic Super Bowl collapse against the Patriots during his senior season at Alabama. He was named a first-team All-American and won defensive MVP in the 2012 title game. And Matt Judon wore the same number as this player in Judon's rookie season, the hint being that it is not the number 99 that Judon 
wears now. So, Antonio, I will start with you, my friend. Who is your guess? I mean, there's... There's 11 guys, first of all, <laughs> that we know of from Alabama, and it's the only one I can think of. It's got to be Courtney Upshaw. That's the that's the only guy I could think of it possibly being as well. <laughs> it was Courtney Upshaw, another okay. guy who I thought was probably going to be Jarrett Johnson 2.0 and turned out not to be that. I, I, I wrote him down as a potential option as well for our disappointing uh, draft picks just because I thought same thing I was they were going to take him in the first round they traded back for more picks and still got him early in the second round uh I remember and I was like oh they got their guy and then he was just fine so (laughs) uh I think one of those guys where we envisioned had getting more sacks than than he was ever going to get maybe one of those things that we you know we expected him to be a position that he was never going to be in the NFL uh, only ever got two two sacks was his career high in a season. Well, I thought he was going to be the guy to set the edge, like the guy that was going to help flow things back inside, a la what Jarrett Johnson did so well for years for the Ravens, and it just never turned out. I believe he did, did have 60 combined tackles as a rookie. I, and I think he forced a fumble in the Super Bowl. He did. Possibly yes. recovered by Terrence Cody. So. He did, yep. <laughs> Weird. So that's uh, that's going to do it for us here. Nothing else to uh, to go over from you guys. Any last questions, comments, uh, shots of tequila by Prashad Paraman? Nothing? No, that's the bourbon tonight. That'll be the bourbon. Yeah. Okay. All right. So for Tim Horsey and Jay Sevens, I'm Antonio Barbero. We will be back next week for another episode of Pod Like a Rip. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.